Hey everyone, I wanted to jump in here before we get going on this next episode and say a few words about what you'll get to hear over the next two weeks. These next two episodes are really special and important to me, and I hope that when you're done listening, you'll have a good sense of why that is. During these next two episodes, you're going to hear from Katie Everett. She lives in Topeka with her nine-year-old son, and she's built a nearly 20-year career that she loves as a hairstylist. And what I found interesting in this conversation is that even though most of us have regular interaction with people who cut and style and and make our hair look good, uh, if you're like me at all, I suspect there's very little that you knew about the 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 way the industry works and the way the compensation works and some of the you know on the ground details of of how the how people make their money in this industry. So during our conversation, I was just continuously surprised by the things I kept learning and the things that I didn't know about this industry. And so in the first part of this series, you're going to learn about that. We kind of broke it into two parts. The first part we focus on uh, her life as a hairstylist and some of the challenges that she faces just in that industry and some of the things that she's seen over 20 years of, of doing this work. Uh, but but there's more to the story than that. And that's where we'll get into the, the second week of this and the second part of this. And in that part, episode two, you'll learn that uh, Katie is battling ovarian cancer. She had this a number of years ago. Uh, it went into remission and it's recently come back. So in that second part of the episode, Katie and I talk about and kind of explore the realities of the way her career in the beauty industry intersects with her battle against a potentially life-threatening illness. As you listen to this, I, I hope you'll listen with to these two episodes with a sense of compassion and an open mind. And, and my hope is that after these next two weeks, if you're like me, you'll have a better insight into some of the circumstances people find themselves in and some of the things that they have to do just to get by. I do want to warn you that uh, there is some harsh language in here. There is uh, some, uh, there's some swear words in here. Uh, there are points where uh, I didn't filter Katie at all, and I told her that she could say things how she wanted to say them. And I, I typically try to allow people to do that. And so it seemed in this case that's inappropriate. But if you're sensitive to that sort of thing, you should just know that there, there are a few uh, moments in here with some harsh language. Um, the other thing that I want to touch on is it, it, I hope that as you listen to these next two episodes, uh, that you might have a couple of thoughts or questions in your mind. And, and one thing that kept coming up to me, and, and I don't normally dive into this sort of thing in the podcast, but I think based on this episode, it's worth doing. I think that in this conversation, it's worth asking the question whether healthcare should be a determining factor in one's career choice. You know, in Katie's case, she chose a career that for her is fulfilling and rewarding, and it fit her talents very, very well. And she's been doing this and she loves it, and it's not anything that she wants to stop doing. Um, but as you'll learn in this episode, it's also a career that doesn't have a lot of uh, benefits in terms of like paid time off or, or health insurance or things like that. And I think that that's worth asking that question. If somebody's doing the things that we want them to do, working, trying to make a living, basically running their own small business, uh, do we do we want healthcare to be a barrier? And if we don't, or we want people to keep doing these things that they do for us on on a monthly or or every six week basis. Uh, is there something we ought to be talking about or looking at to try to bridge that gap? The second question is, if if you do, if if we're having this conversation, we say, well, 
you know, sometimes the, the cookie doesn't crumble your way and, um, you may just have to quit a job you love and you may have to abandon a career that you went to school for and got licensed for, but that's just the way it is. Uh, if you have a health concern and you need health care, you may have to go do a job uh, just to get health insurance. And I think if, if your answer to that is yes, then I think there's another question that we can look at, which is, is that, does that meet the ideal definition of freedom? If we're compelling people to change careers, abandon careers, give up their educational backgrounds that they've spent money and time investing in because of healthcare. Uh, I think that that warrants a broader conversation about uh, different interpretations of freedom. And, and certainly in this case, I, I think that Katie lays out her reality and I think that helps explore and explain how this concept of freedom may look different for different people in different situations in different times in their life. Um, but it, I hope no matter what, you'll listen and, and hear Katie's story because I think it's very compelling and I'm looking forward to uh, giving everyone a chance to hear this. And I hope that you enjoy this conversation with Katie Everett as much as I did. So we were talking before about um, how you're, you didn't make very much money last year. You said you made like $12,000 last year. Right. And that was less about the pandemic because that had kind of faded, you know, to the background a little bit. Um, but this is more to do with your, you, you had cancer and you told me before you had cancer, was it seven years ago? Mm-hmm. Um, you had some treatment then and then it returned and it returned about a year ago. Is that right? That's right. And that's really affected your ability to manage your schedule and work. And as we talked before, if you're not working, you're not making money, and you don't have right. uh, sick pay, and you don't have health insurance. Correct. So let, let's go back a little bit. Tell me about the the first time seven years ago when you had cancer. Um, so uh, we had just kind of gotten settled back in in Kansas, and I was trying to I was trying to be a good grown up, and even though without insurance, because at the I was working part-time actually at a little resale shop downtown here in Topeka. I loved it. was having a great time, but I, I needed to get back into my industry because I'd kind of taken a little break as we moved. Um, anyway, so I was like, I, I got to get my life in order, kind of make sure I'm good to go. Um, so I went to the only place I knew for, you know, lady checkup stuff mm-hmm. and went to Planned Parenthood here. And yeah, they found, they called me back a few days later, said, hey, we need to talk to you. And they referred me out. And that's when I found out uh, that I have a genetic ovarian cancer, which is it's not, a, not a, I like to say it's no big deal because really in the grand scheme, it is the, it is a kind of cancer that can be fairly managed. Um, and it was easily managed. For, I mean, not easily. It's not like it was, I shouldn't say that. It was no walk in the park the first time around. But thankfully found it when I did. So that's what I, what I was starting at this salon was going through that. And I actually started as front desk because okay. I didn't want to, I didn't know what I was up against. And I didn't want to be in a battle Really, and I was—I didn't know what I wanted to do with my career here in Kansas. So, anyways, I was just working front desk there, and then um, finally, my my boss he said, "Why do I have a master stylist behind a computer?" Uh, so, yeah, it kind of just shifted that way. And thankfully, at right around that time, I got news that it had worked. My little oral chemo stuff worked out, and then they did a minor surgery, um, got rid of what was left, and we moved along. But of course, you go in for checkups and stuff, and uh, yeah kept trucking along. Things were good for a few years. Uh, pandemic hit. I missed two appointments 
for check-ins just because of the way the cookie crumbles. Um, you, you missed too. So I'm going to make sure you, you, you had the diagnosis, you got the treatment, you were doing an oral chemotherapy um, and you had a surgery and that took care of it. That took care of it. Okay. Initially. Um, but, and you, and so you, you were, I'm guessing we're doing like annual checkups to make sure that it was still. Right. Okay. Right. You still right. have to check in, especially cause I carry that, you know, the, the gene. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So I missed those, um, cause pandemic and being a homeschooler during that, uh, forced. <laughs> so, well, yeah, yeah. let's, ex- let's expand that a little bit. You, your I mean, you have, we have all the issues with the schools and everything. Right. And, uh, and a lot of restrictions were in place. So you now, in addition to balancing your work, uh, and your child, you're now putting kind of the remote learning education part on top of that. Right. That's right. Um, and that, th- that doesn't leave a lot of time for you to take care of you. Oh, right. No. Yeah, no. And so, <laughs> and, and as a lot of parents do, um, they, they, they just put their stuff on the back burner sure. and take care of their kids. Sure. And that's, and that's what you did. That's right. right? Yeah. So you're like, oh, these appointments, I'll be all right. I can and you always them. think you're, you know, I was like, oh, fine. It's been fine for years. Yeah. Fine. Good. And you yeah. feel okay, right? And I felt time. fine. Yeah, yeah. I did. Ha- I mean, I had some stuff going on that was an indicator as far as I would get. But then again, I, I mean, I get tired and stuff, but we were going through a pandemic. Everybody's stressed. Everybody. I was like, I don't know. Whatever. It's probably that, you know? Um, it's easy to dismiss our own ailments when you don't have insurance. So. But so you, yeah, exactly. Well, I see the other thing, but when you don't have insurance, and I don't know how, were you, if you were going to a place that had like a sliding scale or didn't charge you or something, but um, it's really easy if you don't have insurance or even if you do have insurance um, and the deductibles are high or whatever. I mean, I know myself, there's healthcare that I avoid yeah. because I know that it's going to cost me $1,000 or $2,000. Uh, before I meet my deductible, I mean, I and, and I just am unwilling to do that, and it's probably sure. stupid because, you know, if there's something wrong, it's going to be really bad by the time I find it. Right. But that's kind of what happened with you, right? You skip right. two appointments, and then you go to the, you, the the third time, you go back to your appointment, reschedule, yeah. And, and what did they find? Uh, I found it had it it worked its way into my liver. Um, all the tequila and vodka didn't scare it away, unfortunately. <laughs> but. <laughs> um, yeah, so in my liver, um, which is kind of scary, obviously, when it starts to spread. And that was not the news I expected. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I kept it. I'm, I'm typically a very private person with my health. I, I actually, not that many people even knew that about me, um, that I even had cancer. And that's how I liked it. Mm-hmm. Um, because I, I don't like to worry people until it's time to worry. There's no point. You know, I can if I can handle it, I handle it. Um, but unfortunately, by way of my very social industry, people start to talk and people say, wait, Katie's rescheduled this client, you know, these clients this many times, what's going on? So, you know, people start to rumors fly and you eventually have to come out and say. Well, because otherwise people are thinking something else, right? Right, right. And, and unfortunately in my industry, everybody always thinks we're, you know, degenerates and we're, we're and we, we're wild for sure for the most part, but we're still normal people. We're still, you know. Um, so yeah, it was, I think it was an easy go-to to be like, well, she's just partying. Because sure, I, yeah, you can find me out and about, I'm sure. But that was not the case, unfortunately. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you're rescheduling appointments, so you're not making money. And, and I was, I'm going to ask this because I just, the question popped into my head. If you reschedule clients a certain number of times, they then go get, they go somewhere else, right? Yeah, so now you're out. losing long-term income mm-hmm. because they, they're like, well, ultimately, whatever you've got going on, I still got to get myself taken care of. And, so that's, and I totally get it. I mean, and I've, I've had to tell plenty of clients, I, I more than understand. And I do not take it personally because 
at the end of the day, I am, though you care about me, I am giving you a, a service that you need. So, um, yeah, go get it wherever yeah. you need it. That's and if fine. I can't do it, go right and find it. Catch me when I'm better. You know, yeah. we'll, we'll, we'll get there or not. And that's fine. Too. There's plenty of heads of hair to go around, but, uh, yeah, it sucks. I even just yesterday, you know, I, I was having some blood clot issues afterward. It doesn't matter, but I can't work when I did. And that's the nature of my industry. Also, you know, if I, if I could sit at a computer, I could probably do that. You know, I'm still able to talk and obviously I'm here, you know, but standing all day and physically focusing is a whole other Game. Well, talk to me a little bit about this. How does the how does the cancer affect you? I mean, how does it does it just make you tired? Do you feel sore? Do you the cancer itself isn't really the asshole? It's kind of the it's, <laughs> it's chemo that's the asshole. Okay. Um, from the way I understand it, yes, the the cancer does. I mean, every once in a while, I actually get and they say your liver can't feel pain. It's the sac around it, so the, the inflammation and all that. So I get intense. I mean, it's like somebody has taken a hot skewer and just like stabbed into my, you know, ribs, stuff like that. And shoulder that manifests into shoulder pain. It's very bizarre. Um, but mostly I'm nauseous. I get like, it feels like vertigo, you know, stuff like that. Um, I've lost feeling in my hands and my feet randomly, which is not good for no. what I do. Uh, <laughs> no. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, often it's just a lot of nausea. I'm having to step away pretty often if I'm up and too active. Um just is what it is. Your body's in your body, your body's battling. It doesn't have time to, you know, keep you presentable to the public. So, <laughs> so you've had, so, and you're doing like an, or are you doing an oral treatment yeah, again? Yeah, yeah. Okay. I do trial treatments. I get to be a Guinea pig. That's a poor person thing. Well, well explain that a little bit. <laughs> like you're doing, you're doing a trial. Um, is this because is this, is this a way for you to get treatment because you can't, because you don't have insurance and there's no real way for you to afford traditional treatment. That's correct. Okay. And that's why my treatment, and to a lot of people that have been through what I've been through, they, they get very confused. They, they're like, well, that's kind of chaotic. And I say, yeah, because they've kind of given me the reins because I don't. There's so many things that I'm going to need $10,000 to step in and get done. Just yeah. the beginnings of it. Um, and I'm not doing that. I can't do that. I won't do that. There's there, I have my limits. Now, if they came to me tomorrow and they said, listen, this is spread into your spine. You're totally fucked. Of course, I will bite the bullet. Uh, I'm already taking debt to my grave. Why not? But I don't want to if I yeah. don't have to. And the idea, we talked about this a little bit the other day too. I mean, the I think there's such a disconnect from people that have insurance and people who don't have insurance. And if you have insurance, you, you know what the max is that you're going to be on the hook for right. on any given. I mean, if you you have these things and you get a $5,000 deductible and a 10% copay or whatever, you know what you're going to end up paying. Your right. policy clearly says you'll never pay more than this a year in medical expenses. It's, it's still too much, but, right. um, but for you, you, you could be looking at hundreds of thousands. I mean, if you went through traditional treatment on this and you mentioned that people say, well, why don't you just go get the surgery, get this part of your liver cut off? I mean, you, you're looking at hundreds of thousands of dollars potentially of medical debt that you would n probably never be able to pay off. Correct. Uh, and it also, well, I want you to talk, and, 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 and there are also concerns with your son too, right? right. Like, I mean, you're, does that affect your ability then if you're having to shell out this much money every month for medical debt? Does Absolutely. that affect your ability to adequately care for your son? Oh, 100%. Yeah, that's, I, I have to weigh out what's more important, you know? Um, and right now me maintaining a little bit of normalcy is, is much more important than me going and getting an extreme surgery and stuff like that. And they say that may not even fix it. So it's, I kind of have to weigh out, I'm constantly playing a numbers game of, 
like I like being poor with money, but with my health. Yeah. Because uh, the money is my health, unfortunately. You, so. you're in a position where you have to balance uh, your your health mm-hmm. against the the finances. That's right. Right. And you you do have to put that on a scale and say because most people say, well, there's nothing more important than your health. Oh yeah. Which is so true. You take care of yourself. You take the time you need, Katie. I hear it every day. And they say the time I need doesn't pay the bill. Yeah. So so you still have to maintain a household. You right. still have to pay for it by clothes, you have to buy food, things like that. That's right. Um, and then, but yet you have this illness, mm-hmm. uh, and the treatment for the illness makes it so that it's hard for you to work all the time. So you're and, and you're constantly navigating this. Yeah. It's an know. ebb and a flow, and I never know day to day. Yeah. That's what sucks too, is because when I call in, I'm not calling into one boss. I'm calling into ten people. Yeah. Books. You know, it sucks. I'm, that's ten letdowns that day. That's that's a lot. And you're trying to reschedule them later, exactly. right? You're trying Which, to say, maybe I'll feel better two days from now. Right. Yeah. And, and well, then there's the catch of, you know, I'm booked three months out. So then I, when they're looking to rebook, oh, no. Oh, God. Well, now I can't wait that long. And yeah. So and currently I'm not available. We have an online booking system and my boss took me off that. So people think I'm just not there. It's just, yeah, it's a mess. And and so I was thinking about all this and the effects and the fact that people will go to another stylist. When this is over, let's be you know, the treatment's successful and you don't have any issues, and you know you go another you know seven years without an issue. Um, you're then going to be in a position to have to rebuild your client to some That's degree. Right. You're going to have to rebuild your clientele, and it's yeah. almost like because of the illness, you have to kind of start over. over. I'm I've been viewing my time. My goal is by fall of this year. Is that's that's this goal? But yeah, I'm fully aware that I'm going to be picking up pieces and starting over. I have a lot of wonderful clients that have stuck it out, and they know I've had to be transparent. Um, they've been so wonderful, but I'd say I've lost about fifty percent. Yeah, and so and that's and that reflected in your last year's income. You right. said you went so the year before would have been the height of the pandemic. I imagine you had some hit on your income that year, probably significant. Well, funny enough, I mean, when we actually were getting unemployment, and this is what I'm sure so many people will love to hear, I was making more than I ever made. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's it's wild to think that. Um, so yeah, we did. Yeah. I want to say that it, it took a hit. It did take a hit as far as the grand scheme, but in that those two months of shutdown, no, not necessarily. We were all going, whoa, oh, this is great. This is what people make? Wow. <laughs> <laughs> you can pay your bills? <laughs> yeah, because, well, when you're talking like on an average year, you know, you said typically you're about $30,000. Like the most right. in Kansas you've made is about $30,000. Right. Um, and that's going to change from year to year, mm-hmm. right? Based on that. And so you, you may have held up okay during 20 i guess it would be was it 20 yeah held up well during 2020 yeah and then 2021 is when when the cancer came back and right. then that's then so in 20 in 21 about twelve thousand dollars yeah. and, and we're three months we're on the third month of this year and it's i'm guessing probably not tracking it, very well it's worse my la- i get paid every two weeks my last paycheck just this last paycheck on the 16th is a hundred dollars 99 dollars and some change so how do you so that's what you got for a week's worth of work. Two weeks. Two weeks worth of work. Um, now, granted, I was really sick and I was only there like maybe two of those days. But, yeah. yeah. Um, how do you manage that though? I mean, it's a, I mean, it there, hundred dollars for two weeks. How there's rent, there's utilities, there's food, there's all these I, things. How do you make this work? Uh, I don't. To be totally honest, I have a landlord that is he's an angel. He's sent from I don't I don't believe in angels, but my landlord's amazing and he is. He's a wonderful human and he's been patient with me on this. Uh, so that that's one of those that I can sort of, you know, like I know that 
I know he's not going to put me on the streets. I know that he needs his money, but he's also very understanding. Um, so that's one way I, I get by where I can say, hey, I don't, I don't have it right now. Can I give you this much now? I mean, some days I'm just giving $20, you know, yeah. I mean, I give what I can. Um, and I do have my son's dad, co-parent. He, he takes care of anything financially for the most part that has to do with our son. Okay. That's that's his pickup, and that's totally that's fine, and that's what uh, that helps me big yeah. time. Um, and groceries, he helps with stuff like that. So, and probably a, a important to note at this point that not everybody has that sort of relationship exactly. with their their exactly. children's father. That's if exactly there's right. been a separation, I'm very not, lucky. Yeah, yeah, and we still. I mean, and that's 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 not saying he go. You know, if I want to take my son to lunch or go to the zoo, I still pay for that stuff. Yeah. You know, but um, yeah, I just. Um, I don't know how I do it. I don't have an answer for you on that because I just, right now, I mean, I'm terrified half the time because I just, I know that there's bills and I know that the debt is coming down, but what can I do? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, 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 I want to try to explore this a little bit too. I'm going a little bit off track in my notes a little bit, but um, that's like a constant thing in your head though, right? Like, mm -hmm. I think that's really important. Like. So you've got this health thing that's constantly there. You must at some level be thinking, I hope this works. I oh, hope yeah. this is effective. Oh, yeah. I hope this takes care of it. Yep. Um, I really, I've got a nine-year-old son. I really want to yeah. be around for all of that. That's right. On the other hand, you've got, God, I'm not making any money. I don't know how I'm going to do this. Oh, yeah. I don't, I, like, I, how do I? Oh, there are I'm, days where I'd say it's just cheaper to die. Yeah. I really, I mean, that's morbid, but it's the reality. Yeah. Um, so yeah, those thoughts, yeah, those thoughts are always in my head. I always say I'm lucky. I'm naturally kind of a jovial person. I mean, I, I we all have a tendency to have death, but and darkness. But I just try and find the brightness. What can you do? I don't know. Where do you find the brightness in that? Because I, I could see myself getting very oh, I very have those down days. About that. I have those days. Trust me. I mean, you can. And Alexis has been around me when I'm probably not pleasant to be around and stuff. Uh, but Alexis, my friend, you know. <laughs> <laughs> who introduced us. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, I just I don't know. I that's it's a really yeah, emotionally it's a lot for sure, but I don't know. I do what I have to do. <laughs> how how do you? We talked a little bit the other day about your son, and he knows. You said he was a cool dude. He is a cool dude. Yeah, um, but there's got to be an effect on him, right? He, there he is. sees mom's not feeling well, and there you're still is. trying to take care of him and make life good for him. He, um, like I said, and the only reason I say he's a cool dude is because he was just naturally born a very, he's just a compassionate critter. He's, he's, he's awesome. He, there's been days where it's just me and him and I am in bed all day Yeah. and it breaks my heart, you know, and he's having it. Luckily he's an only child. So he's good at entertaining himself, but he's entertaining himself, but not while he's doing that, he's having to check in on his sick mom. He's like, are you okay? You know? And so he handles it from what I can see pretty well. Um, but I think there's parts of him, I'm sure that have, Confused, scared, maybe all that. Um, we were, we did go to the Kansas City Zoo on that very nice day this week, and I was, I, I do a thing. This is bad. I hope that my doctors can't hear me. I don't take my medicine on days when I want to do stuff because mm -hmm. uh, I don't want to be sick, and yeah. uh, that kind of gives me at least a chance uh, to do something. So, uh, anyways, I didn't take my medicine that day, but yet still walking all over the Kansas City Zoo, I got a little worn down. I started, you know, I had to run to the restroom. And, Take a little puke break, but, yeah. <laughs> and those, I think those things for, that's the moments when I'm, I wonder, you know, when he's grown, what he'll say that felt like for him. I yeah. do wonder that, but he, he handles it very well. He, I say, you wait right here. I'll be right back. You know, he mans the ship outside the bathroom, 
So if my mom's in there puking, the strangers sometimes. (laughs) 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 So yeah, uh, he's he's just I'm lucky. He's a very just a really sweet kid. Yeah, but but you you kind of touched on it that you, you you often don't know how that's being. Yeah. processed or internalized by a kid until many many years later Absolutely. right yeah. um but it's but you're still trying to just be like can i just be mom can yes. i not be like you're freaked out mom. about money can yeah. i not be sick for a day you're trying to still just capture yeah, life. life out That's of right. this right mm-hmm. uh yeah it's the irony of, of cancer is that it'll show you real quick how how fleeting life is but then you're you're usually in the battle of your life you know it's very odd where you're it's weird. It's hard to explain. Uh, no, that, that's that's a very good point because it, it the, at all at once it does show you how much you you value life, how yeah. much you appreciate being yeah. just I mean, the I simple was, act of being alive. Yeah, I mean, I was truly, and this is me being totally transparent and honest, depressed during the pandemic. Oh, what am I going to do? And I hate my career because, like I said, it became very apparent how the public views us. You know, and I oh, I got to get at it. But um, yeah, it's I was suicidal to be totally honest so the irony of just months later getting this news <laughs> now uh-oh i got what i wanted <laughs> you know in a roundabout way um that sounds terrible but i, I know, people that know me know that about me know that i've struggled with those sort of things but yeah now where i'm like i will never once never again in my life take being healthy for granted yeah never. or even yeah take being healthy for granted take life for granted right but the kind of the irony in all this is that at the same time that an illness can cement for you the idea that it's such a gift to be alive, um, you also have the reality that to stay alive, you either have to bury yourself in debt that you'll never recover from, um, <laughs> or take an experimental drug mm-hmm. that may or may not work, mm-hmm. and hope that you get through this so right. that you can continue to appreciate and just limp my way through life. And that's the other thing is it draws it out, you know, yeah. when you have to do whatever you can. So yeah, my little stint, and I, I told you over the phone, we did have two other stylists this year that battled breast cancer, ironically. One one found out she had it, and then that encouraged one to go get checked. So she found, it's, it's just very bizarre. We're only an eight stylist salon. and But yeah, it's uh, their battle wasn't that long. You know, it was three months to six months, somewhere in there. And so I think everybody looks at that because we do see, and we see the pink everywhere for October, and that's wonderful love that but you so often forget that you see these public battles you see these battles on tv that make it so well i'm going to go through the treatment and i'm either a going to die or i'm b going to come out magic brand new with new titties you know or whatever yeah (laughs) (laughs) sorry (laughs) um which is and it's unfortunate those women have to go through that i'm not discounting that battle by any means but i think so many people want to see it they want to fix they want they say well just go ah, get surgery get new kidney or new liver and all the things and it doesn't work like that well let's talk about if you did have insurance let's say if there's a world where you had insurance Mm -hmm. and you had uh disability insurance short-term disability insurance or any of those things that could secure you financially while you went through this uh, there's probably a much more aggressive treatment option for you right like it's for the surgery i would have been done in about a six month period so another thing that's i guess striking to me in this is that um, we're actually one. It actually got worse because you weren't able to go to your regular visits, and um, also because you don't have insurance, you're, you don't have like a. I'm guessing a regular family practice doctor who's. I still don't. Isn't that weird? Yeah. Yeah. 
<laughs> so where are you going for treatment? Can I ask that? I They send me, because I'm trial, I actually go through several different places. Okay. Like, not several. It's one initial that treats me. And then like, I have to drive to Kansas City, Olathe, um, any of those places to see these, you know, specialty, which they're all wonderful. I'm, yeah. I'm fully not saying it's not good, but yeah, when you're trial, it's a little different. Yeah. So. <laughs> but if you, if you had, you know, the, the, the regular way of things, if you had right. the insurance and everything, they would have gone out, they would have cut the affected part of your liver out. Um, yeah. I maybe would have had a port chemo if needed, stuff like that. I yeah. Think, yeah. And, and probably, like you said, three, six months yeah. of aggressive hopefully, treatment. Hopefully, if, all went well. if everything yeah. went well. Right. Uh, this just takes us out over a longer period of time. Right. And, and Which is kind of, I mean, there is a benefit to, I mean, it, I guess that I'm able still to live, you know, and I'm not down and out super sick for a while. Well, that, that is true because the other side is that if you have that aggressive treatment, you, for that period of time, you're really knocked out. Right. 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 Yeah. Right. So, so then again, I, I really think even if I had insurance, I'm like, I wonder what I would have chosen. You know, I don't know. It's yeah. Hard to say. Yeah, it, it, that would be hard to say. So, you, I, so you're doing this. You're trying to balance the work. You're trying to balance some kind of normal life for your family and, and your son. Um, and I'm think I'm just thinking about like in the career. Um, we talked a little bit earlier about, I guess, pe how people view stylists and kind of how the industry has has been. Well, it's been treated as like a secondary income thing it or is. something like that. Um, a hobby it, career is what they call it. It's what a is it? A hobby career. A so hobby it, career. Yeah, that's something you do as a hobby so, to get by. So talk about this a little bit. So this is, I mean, it's funny, right? We, so what we know now is um, you, you, you spend a decent amount of money to go to, a, to school to get professional training. You have licensing requirements every year. Um, you, you have clients who rely on you, who we now know... Uh, kind of lose it if they don't have access to you. Right, right. Um, And yet we consider this a hobby. This is a cute, fun thing that you do just to fill your time and make a little bit of folding money, right? That's right. Is there any movement or conversation in the industry to change that we perception are or reality? You know, yeah, there's a lot of pushback. And actually recently, I will say, I can accredit things like TikTok, Instagram, things like, but especially TikTok recently. There is a lot of stylists out there exposing that it is truly a toxic culture that has been allowed in the salon industry. Um, but that doesn't fix it. It's only us talking amongst ourselves pretty much. And we have no one to listen. We're, we don't have a union. We don't have, we don't have what other trade skills have. We're this very, us and tattoo artists, we really, we're the same. I'd like to say, you know, I say that because we're, the world license the same too. They're mm -hmm. also under the state board. So, um, yeah, it's, uh, it's amazing to me what, what I've realized any of our younger stylists, I always say, thank God for my crow's feet and stuff, because now I don't get this question, but that people will sit in their chair and I've overheard it many times. They'll say, well, what else do you do? Are you in school? What do you go? What do you want to do when you're done doing hair? Yeah, what do you want to do when you grow up? Right? Yeah. I mean, truly. And I'm not even getting, I've heard that in actual recent months as well to young stylists. And that to me says something like, but then people want to say, well, this is a good, this is a good job to have though too. They, they can't make up their minds because they want us to be there to do their hair, mm -hmm. but they want to also then be like, well, you just do hair. I don't you, you guys have fun all day, which we do. It is fun, but it's work. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and like you said, I mean, we, we, you know, we touched on in the previous segment, um, it, people really rely on this. I mean, yeah. it's a, you know, we come to you and you make us look, 
good and we feel good and, and we go out in the world and uh, it's just kind of a little bit bonkers to me that we have such a dismissive view of, I mean, th th we duly hold the position that this is an important part of our yep. life and we appreciate it and this person is very close to us and you talked about people buy you gifts and everything, but on the other hand, we don't appreciate it enough to view it as anything right. more than just a, a cute job mm -hmm. or a hobby or something like that. And I see it happen a lot more to, uh, I mean, estheticians and people who do nails. That's a whole other thing of looking down upon. Because when you think about what estheticians are doing, I mean, those are the ones that are doing your bikini wax, your mm -hmm. Brazilian, you know, they're, that's pretty intimate. Um, it's very serving. And, and then nails, you know, that's also a whole other, they talk about the psychology behind someone serving your feet. Mm -hmm. um, and there's a lot to that, that you naturally look down upon them, not only physically while they're doing it, but it's something that makes you think that they may be lower than you. Wow. And yet, um, you know, there's like a big thing in the Bible about Jesus washing That's someone's right. feet with as a demonstration that we're not better than anyone yep. else in any situation that mm -hmm. Jesus can wash someone's feet. Um, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. No, it's wild. It's, and it's, uh, it's really discouraging, but I'm, I'm hoping by, by the end of my years in this industry, which will be till I die, uh, <laughs> because you can't retire either. There's that. But, um, oh, yeah, no, 401k. We didn't even touch about that. No retirement. Retire. Never. I don't have a savings. I have nothing. We have most of it. I can tell you almost every stylist I've ever worked with, for the most part, has not had those things. So, yeah. And we talked a little bit. Um, it's just there's so there's so much there. Um, and I don't know what it would take. I And I now I'm curious and I want to do research because I don't know what's out there to try to, like, change the perception on the industry or anything that would, like, shore up the industry. Because uh, there can't be a world where there isn't a styling industry. There right. can't be a world where you guys aren't doing this, right. you know, and helping us. Um, but if we want that world, it seems that we're going to have to do something and to make life a little more navigable for you. Yeah. And whether that's, you know, pay increases or uh, some sort of uh, structures that allow you to do this job and still have some dignity in your life sure. uh, through things like health insurance or, or some kind of supports. Uh, but it, it, otherwise I, I could see a scenario where people do flee the industry for Absolutely. something better. Yeah. They say more stylists. I mean, not just the pandemic, but more young stylists are quitting faster than they ever have in the industry just because they get in and they see the peers that went to a four year, you know, and they're like, well, you know, he's miserable at his desk job. I'm having fun, but I can't go out for drinks like he can. Cause I don't have money, you yeah. know, or whatever. Um, yeah, it's definitely, and I'm not, I love my industry. And, and like I told you on our little break, I, there is, there are people that make very good money mm -hmm. in this industry. There is money to be made. Of course, obviously we all know what we pay to get our hair done. Um, but the irony is I can't even afford my own services. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> I, don't, I don't know the solution. I really don't. I, I think. I don't know. It's yeah. Those those people are making money. I see them out there. They're doing well, but it's not like it's easy. That's for sure. And everybody always thinks what we do is easy. Um, yeah. And I, I don't know. I don't know the answer. Do you think about this sometimes about the, that conflict or I guess in, in, in yourself about I mean, you we've talked about that. You love this industry. You don't see yourself doing anything else. You've done it for a long time. But do you see um, that kind of conflict in your mind about I want to do this, but it's so hard to make this work. And especially with cancer and saying, Oh yeah, I, I want to, I, yeah, right now I'm, I'm one foot out the door and it's not, not one foot out the door from doing hair, but just like, I can't, this isn't, 
what am I going to do if this continues? You know, if I, if I don't get well, I'm giving, like I said, I'm giving myself to fall into this year to just really kind of assess what's, what's up. And, um, yeah, I don't, don't, yeah, it's, it's hard to navigate why I continue. (laughs) (laughs) Well, as we did, you, you get to blend passions. I mean, that's the thing. Like you, you, we talk about your passion for people and your passion for style and aesthetics. And so if you do things that you get to put together and work every day, I really feel I'm meant, I'm where I'm meant to be, but here I and many of my peers in the industry are forced to feel like we're, we're fuck ups. Really? Yeah. Like, oh, well, you guys chose, if you'd have chosen a different path, Katie, I hear that more often than I care to. Yeah. Well, maybe you should have taken a different path. Okay, cool. Put me behind the computer, see what happens. Yeah. <laughs> but that's that's a funny thing, too. It's like, if you would have chosen, what what path might that have been? That, I mean, exactly. I'm like, what do you want me to do? I don't... <laughs> yeah. You you mentioned that you, you're you going to kind of give it till fall. Mm-hmm. So you're going to try to keep this going. You're going to try to manage all this, at, at least through fall. But if things aren't going well in the fall, what I guess have you thought about what that looks like at that point? Are you gonna have to go get a different job? Are I'd you, have to. Yeah, yeah I'm sure. Um, yeah, as far as wellness, like if I'm physically well, I'll continue doing hair. I'll find a way to make that work. Um, but if not, yeah, I'm gonna have to get something where if I am sick, I can still sit and do it, um, which makes me nearly cry thinking about. But you have, you know, you gotta do what you gotta do. Yeah. Yeah. I gave myself, I was like, okay, in my poorest years, I was able to get by being really good at being poor (laughs) for a couple years. You know, I can do two ish years is what I, of being really, really poor. So (laughs) yeah. But then, but after that, it kind of runs out. Exactly. Just tapped out all your, 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 yeah. Your freebies. (laughs) Yeah. And at at that point, like you talked about your landlord, that that's a point where the, the mounting bills that you haven't been able to pay start to come, they they start to become insurmountable. Right. right? And you Mm -hmm. then have to say, okay, I have to, I have to go do something and make money at least for a while. I love to work. It's not that I want to work. I love working. Yeah. I like doing stuff. Yeah. And and you're doing something that you love. Mm -hmm. I mean, we've established that it's just that the the nature of it doesn't allow you to, uh, to make enough money really. And this lack of kind of support structures for people in your industry. Yeah. Uh, make that almost impossible to navigate. Right. right? Um, so do you, do you ever think about like what the, I mean, you said you don't know what the answer is, but, but I'm curious if you've thought about what you'd like to see, like in a perfect world, what would this industry look like for, for people in it? I would love to see it be, you know, addressed even as, you see people that will take their dentist seriously, you know, and stuff like that. And we're doing a very similar kind of thing where, but I know I'm not working on your teeth, not doing surgery, but, um, and people respect that, you know, they'll respect, they don't yell at their dentist when he has to call and reschedule. Mm -hmm. Um, I would just like, I guess I would like to see people start to view us more in line with that. Cause we are, we are a service provider. Yes. It's technically cute and fluffy, but it's, that's what you see. You don't see, you don't know how to formulate a, you know, perfect platinum blonde and what that takes to get each individual there. So I don't, I guess I just like to see the kind of respect that people give other similar industries to give it to. And, and some do, I'm not saying none of my, all my clients are wonderful. There is that, that they're very understanding, really cool. They respect me. They see what I do as, as valuable. Um, I don't know if it's a union, you know, we talked during the pandemic, a lot of us on forums and things like, do we need a union to speak for us? But how do we do that? We're just not, 
And because there's so many different compartments of the beauty industry, mm-hmm. it's, I think it is hard to kind of get us all together. Um, yeah, I mean, because then you get all the way down to like makeup artists and people who are even in like the fashion part of it. That's part of it too. It's, I don't know. I, I don't know the yeah. answer. It's, it's, a hard, it's a hard problem to solve or, or to even imagine. Uh, and, and, and what is normal in it right now has been in it. That's been the reality mm-hmm. probably from day one. It has, it has changed a little back before, you know, when we were called beauticians, that mm-hmm. was a whole other, that was very much when they were treated, you know, I mean, you do a, a perm for 20 bucks back then. Yeah. And, um, yeah. So they weren't making a damn thing either, but I don't know. It's, I have no idea what the answer is. <laughs> well, I want to go back to, um, the cancer, the treatment and the, and the medical expenses, um, you were just going to the doctor specifically because you had cancer, right? right. Like you, you were like, okay, I did have this, right? So I need to. I had get also gone. I started going because um, I had some other health concerns. I had a brother who passed when I was eighteen from heart stuff, so I would go and get checked for that. And I was also going through a um, bariatric program. I had to lose weight, stuff like that. Um, so those also bills, but that wasn't as intensive. Like the cancer was the one thing that I was like, I'll to my appointment but then pandemic and i just yeah, threw yeah. It cancer notwithstanding do you do you you're just not consuming much healthcare though right no typically i mean you have these few things that you know you need to be aware of but right. generally you're not we're not talking annual checkups right. except for the cancer right. um we're not talking like you're, there's no i haven't had physical. an annual in oh god i mean since i was 18. yeah much. And you had mentioned to me the other day that you you really haven't had significant time on insurance since yeah. you fell off your parents' insurance, right? right? right. Um, and and a lot of that's because you've been in this industry almost yeah. all your adult life, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, so during all this, I mean, have you have you accumulated some medical debt through this? <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> well, about how much debt do medical debt do you have? You think right now? It's a number I don't like to look at, but if I'm going to guess, because uh, also this is terrible, but I, I typically gauge it on like my, I haven't had a good credit score most of my life. Yeah. Um, my, it, so it keeps going to collections. I think it right now, last time I looked on the, you know, where you can check your debt. <laughs> I think I'm up to really not that bad in the grand scheme of cancer. I will say that about like 30, about 30,000. And is, it's mostly related to the cancer treatment? And, Most, yeah. 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 A lot. Well, it's crazy. Yes. Because I guess, yes, labs go into that. But a lot of it is just, hey, let's check this. Let's check that. So. Yeah. So every test that you have done or every doctor's visit or, or anything like that, you have to be, you're aware of that, right? You're aware that like oh, yeah. every one of these things means another well, bill. Absolutely. Well, especially when you don't have insurance. They're, what I have to do typically is give them some sort of amount out of pocket just for every visit, which is fine. Um, but that's about all I give them. That's yeah. all I can. And um, yeah, they're pretty transparent. They're they're pretty open about hey, this is a they like run it down on the bill. <laughs> like woof. So yeah, we don't have insurance. They they like to tell you that big number for sure. So how does that work out? So you go, you get treated. They treat you. You give them a little bit of money that day, and then they and then they send you bills. Right. Right. And they want you to work out a payment plan. Right. And my experience is they typically want more in that payment plan that actually works for your budget. I literally can't do it. I said, yeah. I can give you 20 a month. I mean, that was what I could really, that's what I can give. Yeah. And they said, we have to see much, much more. 
Yeah, and they probably <laughs> want several hundred dollars a month out of you, right? Yes, um, if not thousands. Yeah, yeah. and, and they, because they want like a time certain that this is going to be paid off. Right. right. So you can't do that. So then it just keeps, you know, it's just there. Yeah. There's probably interest and finance charges to get added to that every month that you can only pay the $20, yeah. right? So your medical debt is actually growing That's every right. month. And I already had some from prior that I was paying, you know, so it's like just... From seven years ago. Right. Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so you're paying on seven years ago and then you get this and you have yeah. like a new medical debt that comes in. Um, and, and so, and you mentioned collections. The, the other common thing that happens is after a certain period of time, they route you to collections. So now you got people calling you, trying yeah. to like track, track you down wherever you oh, are. Yeah. <laughs> are. Are you dodging calls from oh, yeah. people and they like, want to oh, get this debt? They love me. That's what my boyfriend's calling. That's what I always and, say. Have they, have they, <laughs> that's funny. At least, you know, bad attention is good attention still, right? Like my boyfriend's love money. <laughs> <laughs> Has it got to the point where they've, like, I know the next step in that is, like, filing a, a limited motion case in court. Mm-hmm. Has that happened yet? No, thank God. Okay. Um, I think by me, so I, I went through their little payment plan thing the first time. Mm-hmm. I think that's what saved me. Okay. <laughs> oh, that's my best guess, um, is that they see it, like, I'll do my best. Just. Yeah lay off for a second yeah and the other thing is there's there there's probably ways to, or there may be even resources out there where you could maybe find some help with this mm-hmm. um but that's a lot to navigate it especially is. if you're actively in treatment yep and actively caring for a nine-year-old and trying to manage your life and career and if you're not technically poor enough yeah, yeah. <laughs> are you technically poor enough well you're not technically poor enough even at twelve thousand dollars I Which still, you made last year, you're technically too wealthy for I'm rich. the state's um, <laughs> state insurance. That's right. right? Uh, you're you're about four thousand dollars over the income threshold for I'm that. Rolling in it. Yeah, mm-hmm. and we talked a little bit about because I want to kind of explore like options for you. So we, we talked the other day about um, the marketplace. You know, people say, "Well, you can go get insurance on the marketplace." What have you found on, <laughs> on the marketplace? For me individually, me and this was one of the, one of our gals that went through a similar thing. She had insurance through the marketplace. And even that, I mean, she still had to get the GoFundMe money and all that. It's, um, I could, I couldn't even manipulate the numbers. My, my, my dad is a wonderful man. He's good with numbers. And I think he even helped me years ago, look at the marketplace stuff. And it just doesn't make sense that me, just me, 400 to 500 a month. I can't do that. I mean, that's, no. And at that four to five hundred dollars a month, you're you're probably looking at like a bronze plan or something. Right. And you're probably still looking even at cover. a five thousand dollars, seven thousand dollars deductible that doesn't cover some things. Yeah, which is what happened to our other side. You know, and she said, "Well, God forbid you get cancer." Yeah. <laughs> uh, and because the, the the reality is, is you're not you're not going to exceed the income threshold where the the federal subsidies for insurance actually really start kicking in right. at, at all. That's right. Uh, so you're you're trapped in this spot where you. Your best option at this point may be to be super poor. That's what I say. I'm like, honestly, I may as well, yeah, <laughs> screw yeah. it. I'm not really making anything anyways. Yeah, most days I'm like, what's it worth? I don't, yeah. It matter. Well, it's, the joke is, is it, how expensive it is. It's not a joke, actually, but it's kind of a flippant term that comes up but, uh, among some poor people about how expensive it is to be poor. Yeah. And people have no idea they how have no it idea. is, right? I'm getting constant overdraft charges just for being poor. I'm like, thank you. That helps. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. You don't have enough money in your account, right. so here right. we will take more money that you don't yeah. have. Yeah. We see you don't have money. Would you like to have less money? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Do you want negative money? That'd be cool. Yeah. Uh, the, I, I'm gonna 
kind of pull us to a conclusion here, um, I really want to get us, we've talked about a lot of issues about the industry, about the way uh, it doesn't have a lot of support structure for people in it uh, and your cancer and your cancer diagnosis. And But I really want to get a sense of like in your mind, I guess, what are the consuming or overwhelming thoughts, both about your cancer, your treatment, the debt, and how this all plays out. Because I imagine, I could be wrong, but I imagine there's probably a dialogue in your head a lot about how how is this going to play out? What do I do now to make sure that three, four, five years from now I'm okay? What am I going to do to make sure um, my son is okay and can get out of school and live his life and maybe not have to deal with some of these things when he's an adult? What are the things that you that keep you up at night? Those things, all of that that you said, yeah, that I I don't have anything saved for my son that he's going to have to fend for himself. I'm I'm continuing this this you know as the generational um, poverty. It's which I did not come out of, which is really funny, you know, that I've started it, and that's what sucks. So I bear this burden of I created that. I'm I am the beginning of his generational poverty, and I can only hope that I've given him the resources to get out of it. Um, yeah, well, there's a lot that keeps me up at night, but that's what you said is it. Yeah. I don't, I don't have, I see my future and I see what am I going to do? You know, I see all these people get clients. I just retired. And I'm like, Oh, that's amazing. Congrats. And Oh, we're going to travel the world and all. And I think to myself, yeah, fuck it. That's why I travel now when I can, you know, I'll never get to do that. That's not in the cards for me. Um, maybe, maybe one day, I don't know. I, I guess, what I always tell myself when I have those spiraling thoughts is you can't predict the future. So why would you worry about it? Mm-hmm. Um, yes, be prepared. You know, there's preparedness, but then there's being consumed by it. So I try not to, I just live day to day. That's, that's insane. That's insanity. And I know that's terrifying for people that like to plan. I'm a planner, but I've had to stop. I've had to not do that. Um, is, is that because it's too depressing and yeah. overwhelming to think that because, far yeah, out? Because I don't have the resources to plan. Yeah. So I just had to stop. So you have to live right now and you have to like capture whatever you can from right. life today. Right. Or, and it's funny to me. I, it's funny that you say that. And I think like when I, when I go to more of, and I call them the stuffy things it, with, with my friend that I met you through, you know, I, and people say, wow, you seem so interesting. And I say, no, I've just lived a much different life than you have had to live every day as though it not, not, not as though it's my last, but is that it's, it's a day I'm guaranteed. Um, and that, that, that has nothing to do with my health. For me, I view that more as like, when you are poor, you just kind of learn to, you know, I see people talking bad about, oh, people got their stimulus and they bought a stereo. And it's like, you know what, <laughs> if that's the thing that they wanted to get, then you need to look at their life a little bit more. Because if you're mad that they spent their $800 on a stereo, I think you need to step back. Because if that's what they wanted to spend it on, what does that say about their life? Mm-hmm. I think, you know, and it's like, they had all these bills to pay and it, it when you push someone so far into a corner and they get this chance, this one chance to do something for themselves, goddamn right they're going to do it. Um, I think people don't realize that. But I'm like, you get to eat your steak dinner once a week. I get it once a year. So when I have that extra $50, I'm going to do it. Yeah. <laughs> um, dog on me all you want about it. But yeah, I don't, sorry, I digress from that. But that's, no, you're, you're exa- I guess I just live so genuinely in my experiences because I don't necessarily know that I'll get them again. Yeah. So that's a real salient point I want yeah. to capture. Like you, you just don't know when it's going to happen. If you've yeah. got two nickels to rub together, you right. don't know when it's going to happen. Right. Again. 
So you just kind of like I didn't I didn't technically have money to take my son to the zoo, you know, but I, I cash in change and I make it happen because that memory is going to be way, way better than, you know, tomorrow I go to an overdraft charge, whatever. I had fun at the zoo with my son. So. Yeah. And you get to hold on to that. Right. Because eventually you get so bogged down. And I, I heard you kind of touch on that in your your personal interview that you just you, you get used to being poor. So you eventually just kind of go, what's the point? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I think that people, especially if in like a situation like yours, where you're, you're looking at you're carrying medical debt from the last time you had cancer, and now you're racking up more debt because you have cancer, and you don't know what's coming, and you don't know when you're going to pay that off, and it's it just starts to feel like why, right? Yeah, you know, and so do you do things like go to the zoo, yeah, or buy exactly. the stereo, exactly, yeah, yeah. It's just, uh, and I think, and if you try to think, how am I going to manage this? through, you know, forward going, and you have a situation where like, you may come this fall and this treatment may not be working. Right. You may be in a worse spot. And right. it's like, so you really, you have this added layer mm-hmm. of the normal kind of poverty thing, but you have this added layer of health and well being, and you have no idea what that's actually gonna look like mm-hmm. six months from now. Yeah. Talking about, and there, we could have two points here and we may have hit it already, but <laughs> Because uh, we've covered a lot of ground, and I think this was a fantastic <laughs> conversation. And when I talked to yeah, you I've fun. before, I thought it would be great. Um, <laughs> and maybe I'll break it into two parts, but one about the industry and one about your health. Mm-hmm. But I'd like like something that you wish people knew that they probably can't know unless they've experienced this or unless they've been listening really well to what you've been saying? Oh, ah. I don't know. That's, that's really, really hard. I, I really wish people, I think one of the big things I, I really want people to know about my industry is so many people go and they think that the money that you've given to us comes all to us, even as an independent uh, salon owner, that you're really only taking away about 10% for yourself um, because of the overhead. So, and then when commission, that's a whole nother, you know, so though your color may cost, your cut color costs you $200, I'm not getting that, um, if any, you know, not at all. And then when people, they think when they buy product, I'm getting all of that commission. No, I'm not. I'm getting a certain percent mm-hmm. of that, a very small percent. And um, I wish people also that product, that's another thing. Right now, the industry is really, really struggling because of, as many are because uh, of Amazon and things like that. People are buying their product in quick and easy ways. Um, so please buy from your stylist, you, you, you know, buy from the person that you cry to, not Amazon. Yeah. <laughs> Amazon doesn't care about yeah. it. Yeah. And because you can return it to me and I'll get you a new one. So yeah, like it's yeah. kind of a no brainer. Um, but I understand, I understand convenience. So, uh, I don't, I don't know. I wish that people would know. I get so many people that sit in my chair and they say, well, gosh, I, I hope you can get the surgery and I hope that goes well. And I know that they, they can't, they could never know all of my, and, and because I don't necessarily tell everyone, but, um, <clears throat> I don't know. I wish they could see that, your stylist is not is not there because there's money. We're there because we love you. Mm-hmm. I mean, really, and because we love what we do. I would. There are some stylists I'm sure that don't love their clients, but <laughs> <laughs> um, but I can guarantee you, most of us love what we do. 
we wouldn't be there, as you said. Yeah. So, so I don't know. I guess just to know that it's a unique world and it's not what you see on the surface. Um, and that when I go back and mix your color, I'm not back there just gossiping and doing that. I'm having to formulate. I'm having to, you know, it's rain man back there. I'm doing numbers. It's not, <laughs> I may be, I would say I'm dumb, but I'm smart about certain stuff. So, yeah. um, I don't know. I guess wish, I wish people would see people like their hairstylist and their, you know, any other artist of the sort, not just as an artist, I guess, you know, we're also, we're trying to live and present our art. Mm-hmm. So, and art's a unique thing where people want it for free. Well, what if, couldn't you make that for me? They make it seem like you're doing them or you, they're doing you a favor. Well, it's like the, the music industry or the art industry. It's exposure, right? We can, exactly. we can have my son's a musician and, yep. um, yeah, for years it was like, well, you'll get exposure. Mm-hmm. Well, exposure doesn't pay for doesn't anything. Pay, yeah. I have to pay my bills too. Yeah. yeah. Yep. That's exactly funny enough. You say uh, musicians. Cause when I was in beauty school, I had an instructor that also, uh, he's dating a musician and he said this, he said the first people to buy your album should be your friends. Yep. and your family. And he said the first people to get your services and pay for it should be your friends and your family. No freebies for friends and family, <laughs> you know. Um, that was a hard one. I lost a lot of friends when I set that boundary. Because so. they because they expected oh this friend would get that and not not respecting the fact that this is your trade. Right. Yeah. Right. Yep. And that not anybody can do this. Right. Right. There's that too. There is that too. I mean, I still to this day I'll get people. Can you come to my house and do my? No, I love you. I love doing hair, but no, I do not want to come to your house and do your hair. Unless, I mean, I've had that, you know, here and there with clients, but that's on special scenarios. But it's the, it's the equivalent of, you know, asking a doctor yep. that you're playing golf with or eating dinner with to look at exactly look at something or asking your lawyer friend to give you free right. legal advice because, yep. yeah, I get that. Well, I want to thank you for coming and visiting with me today. Yeah, I thought you. this was a fascinating conversation, both I'm in glad. the behind the scenes look at the, at the, styling industry, which I knew very little about that side of things. So I'm very glad to know this now. Um, And I think it will change the way I kind of approach this. Um, But also your, and especially your story with both your work and your, your cancer diagnosis and the way those two things have been complicated or the way your career has been affected by your illness. That's a very personal story, and I really appreciate you taking the time and being willing to be so open and forthcoming about it. Well, I appreciate you having me. I mean, yeah, and listening. It's definitely something I'm constantly struggling with, and uh, I'm glad to share it. Well, thank you. I'd like to thank a few of the people who've helped make that podcast and Hutch possible. My son Mitchell Probst wrote and recorded the music for the show. Jenny Brigette put together some great graphics and promotional art. And Chris Acker helps overcome my mistakes to produce a great sounding product every episode. That podcast in Hutch is made possible through a collaboration between the Hutchison Arts and Culture Collective and Salt City Sound. They're working to bring resources and infrastructure to support art, music, and storytelling in our community. If you have an idea for your own podcast, reach out to them at podcasts at saltcitysound.net. If you enjoy that podcast and Hutch, be sure to subscribe and share it with all your friends. You can also help support this production by subscribing to thatguyandhutch.substack.com or by emailing me at thatguyandhutch at gmail.com to learn about sponsorship opportunities. Thanks for listening, and I hope you'll join us again next week.
Assault City Sound production.